Welcome to the Uprooting Your Thoughts podcast, and I'm your host, Joy Rossignol. It is time to take control of your thoughts, and in this podcast, I will help you do exactly that. No more having your negative thoughts rob you of friendships, love, a healthy sex life, your dreams, or even just having peace. Remember, you are powerful, not powerless, and you deserve to live a life of wholeness and freedom. Let's go after it together. Hey fam, welcome back to another episode of Uprooting Your Thoughts podcast. I am very nervous because I am doing my first interview on my podcast, which for those of you who have been listening, it's been just me this whole time. So I am nervous, but also extremely excited because it's actually my best friend, my partner, my lover, my husband, Mathieu. Um, I'm really excited to have him on here. For one, I think I feel a little bit more comfortable because it's him. If it was somebody else, I'd be like freaking out and pooping my pants, but he brings me comfort and peace. And so um, I'm really excited to introduce him. For those of you who don't know uh, Mathieu, he is from Belgium. He um, has lived in the US now. He lived in Reading when you met me and obviously, but lived fully officially in the US since October, 2020. Um, He is a fashion designer as well as a personal trainer, as well as somebody who's really passionate about relationships and um, speaking to men about their identity and breaking off shame and um, just just being themselves. He's incredible. I could say things about him literally all day, um, but I, well, let me just have him say hello before I say what he's gonna be talking about. So you can say hello, babe. Hello, everybody. Uh, well, as she said, my name is Mathieu and I'm, uh, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. Um, so for those who have been listening, I mentioned that we were going to be talking about like a couple weeks ago, we talked a little bit about mental health stigma in the church and different things. And Matthew actually has a really powerful story, um, about his background with church and where he got saved. And he'll mention kind of a lot of the ups and downs and like what he experienced in church. And obviously he went to a different church and got set free from all the things that he kind of learned in the beginning of his years. But um, this might be actually kind of like a either two or three part episode because we're going to be talking about different things. But today I just wanted him just to give his background, talk a little bit about his um, experience in the church and um, just kind of like how he um, got set free from that. I have some questions I wrote down just so it can flow a little better and I won't be so nervous and forget everything I wanted to say. But um yeah we'll just get started so um yeah are you how do you feel i feel good okay <laughs> i don't know he's quiet so i'm not sure what he's thinking um okay so babe i just kind of wanted you just to give the people just a little bit of your secret background you can go however you want to go but kind of what happened how did you even end up in the church in the first place what you experienced and just kind of go from there i'll leave some questions after that okay so um I grew up uh, Catholic. Uh, my family was uh, like Catholic by tradition. I guess we were not really doing anything about it. We were not even going to church like maybe like once or twice a year. Um, and then um, at some point, my parents uh, uh, decided to get a divorce. And because of that, my dad um, um, had a, a depression and then he met someone at his work that was like a, a Christian, but like devoted Christian. Um, and told him about Jesus and so my dad my dad uh, started to to see some hope in that and he started to go to church and it was uh, evangelical church mm-hmm. and so my dad liked the church uh, he liked the people there 
and he invited me and my sister and eventually we went there um and yeah we we really uh, liked the people there so we started going more often uh and eventually we uh gave our, our life to jesus and um yeah we were i guess born again and um it started yeah it all started from there right now you were talking about how like how you like the church and how it's good and obviously just getting saved and what you experienced there when did you start realizing that things were changing or noticing things? What kind of things did you experience? Do you want me to share the whole story? Just go ahead. Okay. We can obviously edit anything we need to. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so when we started going to that church, everything was really nice and people were really nice, um, really loving and basically giving me, uh, uh, I was 14 years old. So I was really, and I was like chubby, I didn't really like myself and I didn't really have a good uh, uh, self-esteem. And so when I went to that church and people were giving me attention and, and interested in me, well, it made me feel good, you know, because I was like, oh, people here like me. And so, you know, that was also one of the things. And I think there's nothing wrong with that, obviously. Um, but that was one of the things that made me stay at the, the church, uh, even though I didn't really care much for the, like, church services themselves so like i didn't care about the sermons or and people were like to me they were crazy because they were so loud and mm. so expressive and lifting their hands and uh screaming and stuff and i'm like uh that's like that's like a little out there but i like people so and just to give him background he went to african church so i'm i'm african we are loud and very boisterous people so for him being a belgian european man that was different in general but yeah yeah um and so, you know, we just kept going there, um, started to be involved in different, uh, uh, like ministries of the church. I, I did like sound engineer there for the, for eight years. Cause I was in that church for eight years. Um, and also started doing some worship there as well. Um, but I guess, uh, um, as the, the years went by, um, I started to feel like uh, I was not good enough and that like what I was doing was never enough. Um, and I started to feel like guilty and like ashamed pretty much every day, pretty much like as soon as I, I woke up, uh, uh, up to when I went to bed, um, just feeling guilty and ashamed 24 seven and, um, feel, just feeling like I was not doing enough. And that, that, that was like subtle, but little by little, uh, it, it just kept increasing and to the point where obviously at some point I, I was like, there's no way that this is what the Christian life is like that. There's no, I feel like God wants us to be happy. Also, I was, um, um, I, I knew about Bethel music and I knew about Hillsong and all those bands. And then, um, I made friends, I became friends with other Christians from other churches and I would also see how they lived their life. And. I started to see that some of them um, went to to BSSM, uh, which is uh, uh, Bethel School a Supernatural Ministry up in Reading, uh, where Bethel Music uh, uh, is based. And I was seeing the people there were happy, and I was just like, I don't understand why they're happy, because um, my life is not like that. I'm a Christian, but I'm like miserable, and I just feel sad all the time and ashamed all the time, and. Um, basically that's also when i started realizing it's like okay there's something wrong in my church um there's something wrong, wrong with 
what like the teachings I'm receiving because it's it's weird that like everybody is happy out there, but where I'm at, like it's all about works, it's all about religion, it's all about like um, uh, doing everything that the pastor tells you to do, and if you don't do what he tells you to do, then you're not considered as spiritual as others. Um, Can you give an example of that? Just to kind of give me a little more perspective okay. of what that looks like or looked like. Well, like, for example, um, in my old church, every week, uh, every month, sorry, uh, one week out of each month, we would do a fast. Um, and during that fast, every day at like 6 p.m., uh, we'd have like a, a prayer meeting at church. And basically, um, people were kind of expected, like they were not like, it wasn't mandatory or anything, but they were uh, expected to show up, uh, especially on Wednesday, because on Wednesday was the day when the pastor would come and preach. So you have to you like it's just it was well seen to be there. Um, and like if you were not there or if you or even if you were not doing the fast uh, at all, uh, people would be like, like, what what the heck are you doing? Like, why are you not doing the fast? Like hmm. it was never like straightforward but you could tell that people were like well you i guess you're not as spiritual as us and um it was just all about doing what the pastor was was saying because the pastor was the voice of god and like he was the only one who was able to hear god um uh, perfectly um and we were just trying to be good christians uh at church and and the closer you were to the pastor the better you were i guess like the the, the more spiritual you were and so that's like i guess one of the examples because i did that for a long time like i was fasting a lot um but also our pastor was his main especially the last two years before i left every uh sermon that he was preaching was about uh submitting to his ministry and um basically that was like listening to god was through um obeying the pastor um and and so you know that's what we were trying to do like we were trying our best to really i guess submit to his authority and but it was never enough because everything he was preaching the way he was asking us to do that was by telling us that we were god's children but we were not sons and daughters because to be that was like a in the kingdom being a, a child which is so stupid but being a child and being a son and a daughter is like a different like it's it's mm -hmm. not the same thing being a children is like the beginner level and then when you uh have perfect obedience to god which meant in that church perfect obedience to the pastor and his ministry then you became a son and a daughter and so you just would keep telling us like you are all God's children, but you are not sons and daughters yet, uh, which was impossible anyways to become because the pastor had um, expectations that were impossible. Um, anyways, he was, unfortunately, he was not, I don't think he's a bad man. I think he was just a man who's completely blinded and completely, I mean, he's completely wrong and he's, he's just, uh hurt he's someone who has some past hurt because it seems like he had a lot of problems trusting people um and so he would compensate through his in control yeah which would make sense trying to control people control their decisions which is another 
big problem that we had at the church was that it was trying to control everybody's decisions. Um, like for example, my sister uh, who wanted to marry um, my brother-in-law. I mean, he's, he's my brother-in-law now, but he was a member of the church at the time as well. Um, but he was way closer to the pastor because he was, uh, our church had like apartments that you could rent and he was a church member and renting an apartment. And so when that was the case, you were basically living like you were living in a, a monastery. Mm -hmm. um, so they were almost like monks. So they had to like, they had like a, a schedule every day for prayer. And even during the night, like they had to like wake up at certain times of the night to pray. They had certain days they had to fast, um, things like that. And like, they had to tell everything to the pastor, like every dream they had at night, every uh, like, desire they had in their heart whatever they had to tell everything to the pastor um and so that's what he did when he started talking with my sister talked to my to the pastor and told him oh, i'm interested in her and my sister also talked to the pastor and was like oh i'm interested in him and um the pastor would tell my sister oh well we'll meet and we'll talk about that um we'll schedule something and every time like a meeting was scheduled for some reason, it had to be rescheduled uh, at the last minute. And then what we didn't know is that he was also talking to um, my brother-in-law and telling him, you can't talk to her. You're not allowed to date her. You're not allowed to talk to her. Um, and uh, so he didn't do it for a long time. And then at some point, um, he, he was like, okay, I'm actually really in love with her. So he talked to the pastor, he told the pastor, well, I'm actually really in love with her and I want to talk to her. And the pastor told him, okay, you have, uh, now you have to choose, either you choose her or you choose the church. And he chose her. And so the pastor was like, okay, you have three weeks to leave your apartment. Um, and so he chose my sister, which I'm really glad he did. Um, and he left the, the church, the, his apartment three weeks later, but he found out that Unfortunately, at that time, my brother-in-law didn't have like papers. Um, the only like legal thing that he had uh, that allowed him to stay in Belgium, I don't really know how that works, but basically is that he had a, a official uh, uh, address uh, in Belgium, but the pastor month before. Um, so not just, not like as soon as like he talked to the pastor and told him he wanted to be with my sister, but even uh, weeks before that, the pastor actually like erased his uh, uh, address. Like he he just um, he just didn't have any official address anymore. Um, like took it off. Yeah, and so for month for months he was homeless, um, and even his family wouldn't help him because his family was part of the church and they were uh, submitted completely to the pastor and they were like. Uh, no, the pastor said you're wrong, so we can't. We're not going to host you. So that's just how far things were going there. And even my dad, he didn't want my dad to get married to my stepmom because we did. We never knew why. But my dad was like, I don't care what you're saying. I'm getting married to her. So he got married to my stepmom. But later on, we found out that basically the pastor, who was African, uh, didn't want uh, interracial couples in the church. And he even chose for a lot of the church members, he chose like who was going to, who uh, they were going to marry. And unfortunately, a lot of those couples are now divorced because their marriage didn't work out. 
because they actually didn't like each other. They just did it because the pastor said it. So that must be the voice of God, whatever. Um, it's, it's stuff like this. Well, for one, he obviously wouldn't approve of our marriage, but two, just like when you hear that amount of like level of control in a church if you're experiencing that for example even right now like that is a red 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 flag like you should never a pastor should never be somebody who has a final say in anything in your life it always has to be god and i think just when you were and talking you. oh yeah and you like right like you have to make a decision too you can't just be only submitted to what every anything anyone else is saying you have to agree with that too and i think that um it's hard because just as you mentioned you went into the church already having kind of like lower self-esteem and it's very easy for like i know you said you'd kind of describe that experience as kind of a cult right yeah well now i didn't realize that until i left um and i was like okay this is like this is a cult because i it just had so much impact uh, on my life um i didn't even like obviously god took me out of it and i can get into details of that whenever you want if yeah. you have other questions yeah i have a bunch of questions because i think that i just think it's interesting that when you are coming into an experience church typically the so cold start people who already have like lower self-esteem or just want to be seen and heard and like known that's where people are very susceptible to being able to like be controlled unfortunately and i think that it's it's really sad when it comes to a place where you're supposed to be experiencing freedom like church where people can really be unfortunately have a lot of manipulation in that experience um and i literally every single time you tell i've heard the story guys probably i don't know probably 15 times in different ways and every single time you say it i feel i feel a lot of sadness and then a lot of anger um and just like i just have, I have a lot of emotions and i guess I've, I've just always been curious whenever you're telling the story what are you feeling? Did you feel anything? Or I'm just curious like what comes up for you whenever you're experiencing or sharing it again. You know, I, st I still, even though I feel like I, I processed through most of uh, the lies that I was taught for so long, like I've, I feel like I've destroyed most of them, you know, I still sometimes feel tempted to go back into some of those lies. And it's still, I guess to this day, you know, um, I don't like when people are pushy with me um even when i go to church because i still go to church and i still believe in the church uh and i still believe that it, god's heart is the church but even when i when i go there and i listen to sermons and stuff i can be triggered uh very easily when i feel like the sermon is a little pushy uh or i can really i feel like I can, e I can easily criticize a sermon um because i'm like well i feel like that's not right because he was pushy and i just don't accept which is, I mean, you know, I guess it's a good and a bad thing at the same time, but I just have a really hard accepting anybody being pushy with me. Um, Even me, and which is good. Because <laughs> I, I think that there's always a better way to ask people to do things, I guess, or invite people to do things and not push them to do mm -hmm. something. Um, and so I, it's, it's like maybe one of the, when I talk about my story now, like it still affects me, but at the same time, I, I also I also feel like it's a different me. Like I'm, it was hmm. a few years ago, and I just feel like I'm I'm so different now um, than I used to be. And so, it feels like it's my story, but at the same time, 
it feels like it was a different life. A little like more distant now. A little bit. Yeah, it's more distant. It just feels like yeah, it just feels like it was a different life. Like Yeah. You know, I was a different person. Yeah. Sure. Cuz you were in that church for how long again? 8 years. 8 years. So getting saved in that type of church for 8 years, a lot of your foundational principles about who God is and who like the way that you viewed God in general was formed in those times, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. Um, and then to leave that church, which obviously you ended up leaving that church after eight years. Um, you left first. No, you and your dad left first. Or your sister My left sister first, left I'm sorry. First. Yes. Yeah. And then your, your dad left. Um, I guess I'm, I'm curious, like, how did that tr transition happen of, like, you're coming from kind of a traumatic and, like, an abusive situation. You leave. And then you go to a completely different experience and go to Bethel, mm -hmm. which if you guys don't know Bethel, Bethel is extremely free, extremely just all about your identity and just like who God is and just like knowing that. How did that transition happen? What was that like for you? Um, and how has it even been now? So as I was saying before, I, I heard of some of my friends going to Bethel and that's when I started being interested in, in, in maybe the, their ministry school. I just looked it up. Just I was uh, uh, curious. And um, I I remember like looking at it and I was like, oh, okay, I need to raise $12,000 um, because there's the tuition and then the cost of living and, and all that stuff. And overall it's around $12,000 for um, like uh, nine months there. And I was like, obviously I'm not gonna do that because it's like way too much money and it's also way too far. Like the US mm. for me was like something like a dream that, I was maybe going to go there, maybe when I'm 40 years old or something, I'm going to go there. It was not something that I was close to consider, like, going there soon or whatever. And I remember when I was, like, saying all those things, I really felt like God was telling me, like, where's your faith? Because I remember also at that time I started being stirred and, uh, like, the, the supernatural and, like, started to be interested in, like, seeing miracles happen and, like, uh, uh yeah so like the supernatural and i know i knew that bethel was known for that and so um that's when i heard god tell me like where's your faith because you believe in miracles and everything but you don't believe that i can like give you money and i can mm -hmm. send you to the u.s and and so i told god i was like okay well if that's what you want i'm not gonna say no like you're gonna have to open the doors for me um but please like if it's not your will, like, please destroy the desire in me because I don't want to um, be disappointed. Um, but obviously God opened every door um, in a really supernatural way. Um, and I had more than enough money to, to do my first year there and even my second year. But I remember also around that time, I felt like a strong push to fast and i if you know me uh, i hate <laughs> fasting i hate it so much i've done it so much yeah then now i hate it uh and i just like i understand that there's a value to it but i just hate it and i'm not gonna like if i fast it's probably not gonna be food uh because as soon as i do it i get headaches and um i just don't think that god wants me to have headaches to yeah, your headaches are to please him or whatever sure um, so 
I, I remember around that time that push and I was like, okay, I guess I'll do it because it felt the same thing as like guilt and shame and pressure to fast. It was like, mm -hmm. you have to fast if you want to do God's will. You have to, you have to. And I was like, okay, first I resisted it because I was like, I don't want to do it again. It gives me headaches. But every day, like that guilt increased and that pressure increased. And, um, and eventually I, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it. So I started fasting. But then when I was fasting, now there was even more pressure and even more guilt because basically now the voice was telling me, oh, you're not praying enough. You're fasting, but you're not praying enough and you're not reading your Bible enough and you're not worshiping enough. So your fast is kind of useless. And so I just was desperate because I was like, but I feel like I just can't never do something right. So I went to my church, my cult church. Um, cause you know, some people, you know, everybody, like not everybody was bad. Like, I'm not saying that people had, had bad intentions or, or right. something. I have still friends with some of those people. Uh, I think that they're unfortunately still have, they still have religious mindsets, but it's way better than it used to be. Um, and I, I talked to someone there and I told him, okay, this is what I'm experiencing. Um, this voice, and this is what I feel. And I just don't know if it's God or not. And my leader was like, well, it's not God. So he's, you know, he still had the discernment. And I asked him, like, what do you think I should do? Do you think I should just resist that voice and not listen to it? Or should, I don't know what to do. And he was like, yeah, you should resist. So I resisted that voice and for about like for around two weeks. And I think like, it's hard to realize, but like two weeks of like guilt and shame and pressure yeah. that intense is just really, really hard to resist. Um, but there's no way out. If you give in, you're not going to like, it's not going to go away. So I resisted. And after two weeks it left, and then I heard God tell me like, you are doing everything out of performance. And I was like, I never heard that. I was like, I don't know what that means. Um, and God was telling me like, do you love me or are you scared of me? Yes. And I was like, I feel like I'm scared of you and I'm scared to go to hell if I don't do things right. And he was like, okay, well, this is the, the problem is that everything you do. And I realized, and it was so obvious. And I was like, wow, everything I'm doing, I'm doing it out of fear. Like I'm just scared yeah. to go to hell and I'm scared of God. And I don't love, I don't do things out of love. I was like, I don't even know if I love God anymore because everything I was doing was out of fear. And then God through like one year before I went to be assistant, just basically told me, well, you need to leave that church. And I did, uh, with my, 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 my whole family left the church and, um, they try to like the pastor try to reach out and stuff. I didn't even talk to him. I sent him an email. I was like, I'm done with you. This church is a cult. Your doctrines just full of lies you're not preaching god you're preaching something else and he, he whatever he, i never talked to him uh, after that um and i'm really happy i didn't and yeah so that's why i left the church um and then we found out a bunch of other stories with the church with people like leaders abusing youth uh things like that um and leaders who like told us that because dating was forbidden in my church like unless it was approved by the pastor dating was forbidden and like one of the leaders at some point I was interested in someone came to see me and he was like, Oh, no, you can't date her. You're too young, blah, blah, blah. Then I found out later that he abused two of the, the girls in our youth group. Uh, and he was married and had three kids. Um, so that's like, yeah, that's so silly. but yeah, that's, so, but anyways, that's how I left the church. And that's how I ended up in Bethel because God opened every door for me to go.
I'm wondering, because obviously you, as you said, you left the church. You had a year before that you left the church. And then you obviously went to Bethel. You went to the U.S., a, a dream place that you felt like it was in your heart for a long time. Um, and then you go to a place that's complete opposite of what you've been learning for the past, like, eight, nine years, we'll say. Well, eight years before the gap. Um, was that an easy transition? Was it was it difficult? Like, was it, how was it learning something new, even if it felt right, especially if you had kind of all the guilt and shame that was still ingrained in you? What was that like for you? It was probably one of the hardest uh, times in my life because it's just felt like everything I learned, God was telling me that it was wrong. Um, but at the same time, I had that voice, the voice of guilt, the voice of shame, mm. the voice of fear, uh, of pressure. Like that, those were to me God's voice for a long time. Yeah, those were God's voice to me. So having a different voice that was a voice of like love and a voice of like compassion and and the voice of patience and 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 peace and like listening to that for me just felt so strange and and felt like it wasn't God. Hmm. Uh, but at the same time, obviously, God gave me the grace to be able to hold on to His voice, His real voice, and so that was really really hard. I remember like it was at the same it was hard but at the same time it was beautiful because every time i would learn something new it was like oh wow this is amazing and like i remember because at that time i was writing so much on like facebook and instagram because i felt like i was learning so much um and it made like it made a lot of sense um if you read the bible and everything and so it was a beautiful time but it was so hard and i would not go through it again because mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> it was just intense because every foundation I had, like God had to destroy it. And it felt, yeah. it just feels so weird because you feel like you have nothing um, to hold on to because that new voice of God is, you haven't been listening to it long enough that you feel safe around it. Um, and the, the voice that you, even though it made you miserable, uh, the voice of guilt and shame that's what feels safe to you because because yeah because that's what i thought was god mm. um and so learning everything different like about god's love and my identity and like knowing that i'm perfect the way that i am and i don't need to have perfect obedience to please god um because that was like one of the big things is that i really want to please god i thought that it was through uh what i was doing and then it makes sense to me that just being me was pleasing to God. Like I did not understand that. Like mm -hmm. just not being me, but just being, just like existing as a person was pleasing to God. I just, I was like, I don't understand that. That just makes no sense. Um, now it does, but it's not because like, I mean, it does. I guess, yes, it does. It's still something that I think everybody struggles with because we all have that, I think, religious uh, mindset sometimes where we feel like we have to do things on our own, but at least it's not as hard now to go back to a place where I feel loved when before it was like, every time it was so hard to feel loved. Mm. Um, so it was, especially the second, um, uh, second half of the year at Bethel was like 
probably the hardest time of my life because every single thing I, I learned, all, every like new belief that I had um, was felt tested. And I started doubting everything. And it was just so scary because I was like, but what if everything I'm learning is just like lies? Like mm. I might be, I might put my life in danger because I'm, I'm, because the shame and guilt like puts you in a place of control where you feel like you have control over your life and like feeling and then then listening to a voice that tells you that you're loved unconditionally and that what you do doesn't matter you're still accepted and loved and forgiven it feels dangerous because it's like dang like i feel like i have no restraint there's no there's no restraint anymore there's mm -hmm. nothing that that's holding me from behaving in a bad way uh, or making bad decisions, nothing is holding me back. Now I can just be whatever, do whatever, and I still be loved. That was scary because I was like, dang, like it's hard to not have control. So what if everything that I've learned is lies? Um, but then God told me, because I was questioning, I was like, what? And can I actually trust everything you told me at, at BSSM? Because like it feels so different from what I've known for so It'll long. Be offensive too. Yeah. Yeah. And God told me, I remember I was on a mission trip and one night God told me like, you can trust everything you've learned because I'm the one who brought you there. And I was like, that's true. I was taken back to all the doors that he opened and everything. I was like, that's true. You opened every door for me to come and you wouldn't send me to a place where I would learn lies. Right. So that's when I was like, okay, actually I can trust this and I can trust everything I've learned. And it felt a lot better. Hmm. Um, and then I started dating you. So that was, <laughs> and we'll get to that obviously in um, this next episode too. But I wanted to ask, I'm hearing you say, like, if we're talking in the uprooting your thoughts type, type of like lens, um, you're saying that the things that you were learning or the thing, even the decisions that you're making at that time felt very high stakes just because it, can you kind of, I guess, just walk us through a little bit of the internal dialogue that was going on. If you make this decision and if it's wrong, then that means what? Well, that would have meant what? Well, the way I was uh, taught in my in my old church is that basically, like you were, you always had to make perfect decisions mm -hmm. um, because you didn't want to mess up your life and your calling and your destiny. Um, and like one of the big things about that was like marrying the the right person because um, basically my old church believed that like there's only one perfect choice for everybody and if you don't find it then you're going to mess up your calling and your destiny so like so getting married was like super high stakes and basically you didn't really have the, the choice to marry who you wanted it was more like well it's god's choice um and um basically that's like that kind of like um i guess rubbed off on everything else i was doing every de other decision i was making because i needed to be perfect and those decisions needed to be perfect um so making decisions and even till this day i feel like now i'm doing better mm -hmm. uh, but making decisions would be like really hard because i always wanted to make the best decision possible to have like i guess the best outcome outcome possible um but then obviously that's not true and i learned with god that um i don't have to make perfect decisions because he's always with me and also he, he was teaching me that I can trust myself, like that right. he, he gave me wisdom and he, he gave me uh, the Holy Spirit to be able to make decisions and that I he, I have God's thoughts in my in my mind. 
so I can make the same, I can make like the, the right decision. Uh, I don't need to be scared to make a decision and I don't need, because I, also what we were taught in my own church is that God was making every decision for ourselves. Hmm. But then I went to BSSM and I remember, um, it's kind of funny, but for some reason, God would sometimes drop like things in, in my, in my head when I was in the restroom. Uh, <laughs> cause I, I guess it's the time where really I'm not doing anything else, but whatever, like I'm, I'm like really <laughs> not thinking about anything. Yeah. And so God told me like one day that he would never make a decision for me. And I was like, wait, what? I was confused. I was like, I don't understand. Cause I was like, I don't, how can you not make a decision for me? Cause like I'm, I'm make, I'm human and I make mistakes and like my decisions are not perfect. But he told me like, no, like I'm never going to make a decision for you because that's why I gave you free will and I trust you. And I was like, okay, oh, that was a new concept for me. Cause I was like, God trusts me. Like actually God believes in me and he trusts me with my decisions and, and what I want to do in life. Like that's like, that's like scary. Cause that's also another thing that, you know, when you feel like God makes decisions for you, it feels a lot easier because oh, yeah. you feel like someone is controlling you, but then God is like, oh, I'm not actually not controlling you. You actually have free will and you can do whatever you want. That's like, oh my gosh, like I, that's scary. Cause I feel like I just have so much freedom. It's two big extremes from yeah. everything being controlled for you from the church. And now it's like, nope, you, I trust you to make your own decisions. What does that mean? I've never had to do that. Yeah. That's like a huge transition for sure. Yeah. And that was also a hard part. Now it's also, it's a lot better now because I also realized that God doesn't expect us to make like perfect decisions and he doesn't want us to make perfect decisions. He, he actually wants to be with us right. no matter the, the, the choice we make. Um, and obviously like, doesn't mean that when we have doubts or we can't, we can't talk to him obviously, but usually like his answer is not what we expect. So it was just very difficult at the beginning to be like, oh, well, like I can actually make my own decisions and God is okay with it. And he's actually, cause this thing, I was so a big thing for me was that one of God's names is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And it's not, so it's not about us being with him. It's about, it's about him being with us. And that's like his name. So that's like part of his nature. It's not something, it's not like he's with us whenever we do things right or we make the right choices. That's just who he is. That's his nature. So he is with us no matter what. Hmm. Yeah, that's so good. And I, I think that if I, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. but if I would have known now, just kind of like I knew your background, obviously, and just knew the intensity of kind of what it felt like for you and all that. But um, hearing you even say it now, it can even matches more in my head. Because at times, obviously, we've been married now for three years. Um, and just, I think, I'm trying to think of when we were dating, if you kind of asked me for decisions, but I think it was more when we were married and I would get really frustrated. I'm like, babe, it's not that big of a deal. Just make the decision. Like you can <laughs> either you do this or that, but not like, it wouldn't even be maybe big deals. Like there'd be like little things of, I'm just trying to think of an example. Um, like something, maybe it would be something for your business or something or something. Yeah. Something along the lines for your business. And you would ask me like, should I do this or do that? And I'm like, both those choices are good none of them are wrong and they're not it's like really not like that big of a deal they're not really high stakes um but i can tell for a while it's like very crippling for you like i need to make this decision right because if i do something wrong now that you're kind of walking me through it it makes sense of like if i do this wrong decision this will affect 
the will of my life for the rest of my life kind of thing. And I know that you've been unlearning that, but when you think about it, I think a lot of people sometimes get stuck in that loop of if I don't make decisions that are good now in my job and my business and my life and my future and whatever I'm doing, this is going to change the whole trajectory of the life that the Lord had for me. And therefore I'm going to mess it up because we have that much power when in reality, the Lord really just moves along with us. And if we, for some reason, I'm not going to say make a wrong decision, make a decision that was like, Oh, okay. A little different than maybe what I would have chosen. No big deal. Like I'll use that. And I'll actually like, we'll just let that, we'll use everything. Nothing is wasted. And God uses every single thing really for his glory and for, um, for anything that we do. And so if we think about it in that way too, it really lessens, I think the, the amount of power we think we have of ruining our lives. And I think the enemy wants to convince us that we will ruin our lives, which keeps from making, even really doing any decision in any step. Um, and so I like that you like the way that you walk that out. Cause I think if you're thinking about it and just uprooting your thoughts lens, I think that this is very relatable for a lot of people. I think a lot of people won't do a lot of things because of that thought. Mm-hmm. Um, despite where it came from that like was rooted from it, it comes from different things. And so, um, I'm wondering from somebody who maybe thinks that way and somebody who really is just has a difficult time making that decision and that choice because of that thought, I guess I'm curious, like if you have any like thoughts or words of wisdom or advice, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but I'm just kind of curious if you do from somebody who feels that way, that they have the power to ruin their lives. They make the wrong decision. Um, I mean, uh, you know, if you think that way, it's, it's just a very prideful way of thinking because it's like you think you have power over your own life and that you have control over your own life and you're responsible for whatever happens to you. Um, and that's just not what God wants. Like it's it's God wants us to surrender um, our, our life to him. And it will be a trap to be like, oh, well, actually, like I'm my decision is responsible for the the calling of God on my life or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that's not like most of the prophetic words I've received and like the, the, um, like the the things God has called me to, to be or to do, like most of them have nothing to do with decisions I've made. And Mm -hmm. most of them were like actually completely, I didn't make sense. Um, and I, I was like, I have no idea how to make that happen. Um, and I think that it's the, a good place to be because yeah. if, if you feel like you have control over what God's calling you to do, then maybe it's not big enough <laughs> hmm. and maybe it's just not what God's calling you to do. Um, cause we're not meant to have control. We're meant to surrender fully. Um, and at the end of the day, like if you wait on, on, on God to tell you exactly what to do, cause it's also another part of making the perfect decision is that people are waiting on God to tell them exactly what to do. Um, Well, you might end up doing nothing because not that God has nothing for you, but because God is not like God, God gives you free will. And like, he put things inside of you that are already, I guess, obvious, but because you have, you think you haven't heard God, you're holding back on doing anything. Mm. Um, because you're not sure, but you know, faith is not be being sure, like a hundred, it's not doing things because you're sure it's going to work out. It's actually doing things 
before you see them work out. Yeah. Because if, if like, if everything we did, we were certain of what we were doing, that it would not be faith. It would be control. Um, That's so good. And so you don't have to be certain of what you're doing before you do it. You just have to uh, believe that God is with you because his name is Emmanuel and that he's put those things inside of you. Um, and you, you know, you're human, you just got to figure out like things you want to do. You don't, there's no pressure to like succeed at first try, whatever su- success means anyways. Um, we're all trying to figure it out and God is with us. And even if you never really lose, you just learn. Uh, if you do something and it doesn't work out, then that's fine. God is, is there to hold you back. Like if you, if you're doing, he's the shepherd, right? So if you look at, uh, uh, sheep you know they don't know what they're doing they don't know where they're going and whenever one of them gets lost then the, the shepherd will come back and he will he will like lead them back in, into the um how do you call that the where the sheep is the pasture where the, a group of <laughs> I sheep think so. a group of sheep a flock yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh he will lead you back into the the flock um and that's also why, you know, one of his, if you look in the Psalms, you know, when um, I think it's Psalms 23, you know, um, what does the, what's the, what's the, the Psalm say again? That he leads us, be, um, which one? Like, the things, we'll basically David, this like uh, uses words um, uh, to describe what the, the tools the shepherd is using. One of his tools, I remember it's in Psalm 23, one of his tools, the shape of that tool is actually a hook because, because if a sheep would get lost, the shepherd would come with the hook and grab the sheep to like lead it back to the, the flock. So that's the thing too, is like, Hey, like the shepherd does not expect the sheep to know exactly what to do. That's why he's there. That's mm. why there's always a shepherd because the sheep is just free in the pastures. And then if someone gets goes a little too far, then the shepherd, without judgment, without being mad or whatever, the shepherd would be like, no, come back, because this is where you need to be. That's so good. you don't need to worry about making the wrong decision. That's the shepherd. That's his job. Yeah. <laughs> his job is to actually protect you uh, if you do something wrong. And also, like another, I guess, piece of wisdom is like, don't focus on, on making like, don't focus on not making the right decision. Just trust yourself. Because if yeah. you think too much about a question, your decisions too much, this is the same thing. You, you, you're going to end up doing nothing. Um, but you also, it also means that you don't trust yourself in making those decisions when God actually put a sound mind inside of you to make those decisions. Mm. Um, yeah. That's good. That's really good. You said something I, I just wanted to like rehit again because you said, and I was like, oh my goodness, you just said it and like moved on. Um, you never really lose. You just learn. I've never heard that before, but I think that's like, I want to make that into <clears throat> a t-shirt because I think that if you think about it in that way, th- th- there's just so much freedom in that statement. You're never going to lose. So it, it, that relieves any fear of failure of like, okay, you don't, you're never going to fail. You're never going to lose. You just learn and mm-hmm. then you move on and you I hate the word pivot because I think it was overused in 2020, but you pivot or you just do some, you know, you, you figure out how to get back on track. It's okay. Like there's no, like remove any fear, um, and any tormentation, like tormenting or 
crippling that comes from feeling like if I fail, it's going to mean something like it doesn't like it's mean final, like... exactly. It's not fine at all. I'm go- so we're going to pause this episode a little bit. So I, I, we could keep going. Obviously I could talk to you obviously all day and I do anyway. So, um, but I, um, we're actually going to have, I said, I mentioned the beginning, this is probably going to be either a two or three part episode because this next episode, I really want Matthew to talk more about our dating process because we paused a little bit in a story because in kind of moved in the future, but there's a big chunk in between of how Matthew's past and triggered with my own insecurity of not being enough, how that tied together to make a beautiful mess, just kidding, but a beautiful situation, we'll say, in our dating experience and how that actually really affected us. And there's a moment that we definitely, I thought we were breaking up because of how much this was affecting our relationship. Um, and so we will talk more about that. And Matthew has a lot to say about that topic with dating and all that in general. So I'm really excited. Thank you so much, baby, for joining me on this podcast. Like this was, this felt so normal, to be honest. Like I did, I, I, I forget at times like, oh, we're recording. I got to make sure I'm looking at the time and all that too. But you've definitely shared so much wisdom and I'm hoping that this is helpful for everybody who's listening. Anybody who needs to hear this, like don't forget to um, share. I say this every week, but don't forget to um, even rate this podcast, subscribe, share it to, to on Instagram or Facebook if you still use that um, or to send it a text message or whoever needs to hear this message. I think this is really powerful for those who, um, have experienced just past things in the church and maybe are in between fences or maybe even walked away or, or for people who are feeling very crippled in their decision-making or just anything and any, anything at all that Matthew has said that you feel would be helpful, please share it. Cause I think this is really going to be a powerful episode for people who, um, are experiencing anything along the lines of this. So, um, thank you so much for coming on. We'll see you again next week. Um, Thank you for everyone who's listening and um, we will talk to you soon. Love you guys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. And I would love to hear from you. It truly blesses my heart to know that you are listening and enjoying the show. So if you like this episode, take a screenshot, share on Instagram, and let me know any takeaways or quotes you resonated with from this episode. Make sure to tag me as well. At Joy Rossignol, R-O-S-S-I-G-N-O-L. This helps me know that what I'm saying is actually helpful and helps me know more of what I should be talking about. Can't wait to hear from you, friends.